Hi, my name's Ian Beaton. You're about to listen to everyday people from differing backgrounds, but with one thing in common, a story. A story of adversity, a story of inspiration, a story of laughter, sometimes a story of sadness, or simply a story to make you think. I believe everyone has a story. I also believe that story should be shared. Welcome to So Watch Your Story. So in the studio with me today, um, not quite literally in the studio with me because he's over in America, but I've got Kenneth Strange. Um, Kenneth is a former FBI agent. He's also a best-selling, award-winning true crime author with one of his books called A Cop's Son, One Man's Fight Against Jihad Fraud and the Cartels. I mean, how catchy is that, Ken? I mean, it's just incredible, right? So um, Ken is a... Uh, also a law enforcement media consultant for Newsmax and Fox News. He's highly educated with uh, an MBA focused on international uh, management. And Ken's second book, you did hear that right, his second book, It's Your Camino, One Couple's 500-Mile Pilgrimage Across Spain, is being published soon also. In addition to being in the FBI, Ken has traveled across Europe, studied languages, uh, became a teacher in Saudi Arabia and other places where he taught members of the royal family. He rubbed shoulders with the kids of the Gamino Mafia family. And he also is a friend of actor Martin Sheen. <laughs> you know what, Ken? That's such a dynamic introduction. Um, really, my pleasure having you on So Watch Your Story today. Just to give our, our listeners a little bit of context here, I, I mentioned at the start that we're not in the studio together. Where are you right now in the world, Ken? So I'm in. Uh, I'm on the west coast of the United States. Uh, I'm about um, 30, 30 miles away from Los Angeles and uh, maybe five minutes uh, from uh, ten minutes from Malibu. Oh, okay, <laughs> worst Malibu. places to be in the world, right? <laughs> Um, well, I, I, I'm up, I'm up in the yes, sunny northwest yeah. of I'm I'm up in the sunny northwest of England in 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 Nutsford right now, um, um, and uh, I'm so looking forward to hearing this story. There's just so many weaves and webs in in this in this fascinating life of yours so far. Um, where should we kick off, Ken? I mean, you had a humble uh, childhood with with five other uh, kids in the family, Jewish background in Brooklyn, New York. Is that a good place to start? Do you think? Well, well, sure, and uh, you know, you mentioned uh, five, so that you know, I'm the oldest of five uh, kids. Okay, and uh, I, I guess my origins are fairly humble. You know, if uh, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, uh, New York, I was uh, uh, raised in a working class neighborhood, and uh, we started off living in an apartment, and and then we moved up to uh, living in a, a brick row house. Okay. Um, so it was it was quite urban. It was a large public school at the end of our, our block, and um, but plenty you know plenty of kids to play with. My neighborhood was kind of ethnically um, it, Italian and Irish and Jewish. Uh, I think we had one Hispanic in the entire neighborhood. Uh, right. He was a Cuban Jew. I, I, remember, <laughs> I remember that. Uh, we had some Orthodox Jews as well. Uh, no, no, uh, no black uh, folks. And I wouldn't meet, I wouldn't meet black people until high school, believe it or not. 
Uh, wow. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my background in from New York City. Yeah, sure. And father in NYPD, right? He, he he eventually became deputy chief of police. So 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 being around a a, a um, authoritative figure was was part of your childhood, right? Exactly. So I'm you know I'm raised by a uh, police officer and a uh, homemaker uh, wife. Uh, my dad had a uh, lengthy career with NYPD. He served uh, for about thirty eight years. And uh, he rose to the uh, level of deputy chief. So uh, he, uh, but you know, it was kind of interesting. He, you know, he would come home, and then uh, he, all of a sudden, he's playing with us and taking care of us. And you just didn't realize he was a cop until you, you know, went and picked up his paycheck, or you know, went to the uh, motorcycle precinct where he worked, and you know, there was his motorcycle and. But uh, he, you know, he was just dad when he came home. He was. <laughs> I got. I got to ask a question there because that's interesting. You didn't realize he was a cop growing up as a kid. When we see on when we see on movies, right? Uh, you know, when when the the, the 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 dad's a cop, whether he be undercover or whether he be a uniformed police officer, they often show the scene where he walks into the house and he takes off his holster and he throws his gun on the thing there. Is that real, Ken? Does that happen? <laughs> No, I, I don't. I don't recall that happening uh, specifically. <laughs> you know, I mean, there were times when, uh, for example, uh, I'm in uh, elementary school, and uh, and th and this is in the book, my book, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, I, I guess I was in the third or fourth grade, and it felt like uh, an earthquake, like the ground was shaking, and uh, you know, you can imagine I'm in a schoolyard with a hundred, hundred fifty kids on recess. And all of a sudden, these two motorcycles, these Harley Davidsons, pull up these 1,200 Super Harleys, and uh, two two cops. One is my dad, and he's about six feet, and the other fella is about six four. And they get off their bikes, and uh, you know, all the kids go running to the bikes, and someone says, "Hey, strange, your, your father's down there. He wants to see you." You know, so <laughs> I'm kind of pushed up uh, to these uh, two. You know, giants. You know, I'm looking up at them, looking at these giant men. Uh, at, at least for me, in the you know third, fourth grade. But uh, yeah, that's when you kind of notice. Oh my God, he, he really is a police officer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you had a, a, a Catholic school upbringing, right? But it was um, there, there was also for you. You mentioned that you had a, a kid on the block that was a, a Cuban Hispanic. Um, but languages were always of interest to you, right, Ken? Um, and uh, you actually, in your family yes. tree, in your family tree, you have a relative from the UK. Yes, that's right. Uh, my uh, great-great-grandfather, uh, Charles Barter Strange, uh, shows up uh, in a London orphanage. Wow. In about, you know, I guess in about 1860, 65 or something like that. But an interesting, interesting fellow. He then became a tutor uh, and a teacher and uh, lived in... Um, Bromley, Kent, or Mossley, Penge, uh, over over there, and then the family eventually emigrated to New York in 1889. Wow! And isn't that isn't that funny that, you, that a, a great distant relative of yours should should move into a career of teaching because that weaves us nicely into your sort of formative years because you you actually sort of went on to study at college and studied languages right and then that took you on an interesting journey across into europe and saudi arabia and can you tell us a little bit more about that ken yeah so i mean it really and again it would it would have to start back in brooklyn uh and you know my dad was um 
he, you know, he was a, you know, pretty good cop and he liked the people in the neighborhood that, that he worked uh, with and worked for. And uh, so uh, he was in a Hispanic area, working in a Hispanic area, and he wanted to learn Spanish. So I recall uh, hearing him down in the basement. I don't know what he was doing down in our basement. So, you know, out of curiosity, I kind of go downstairs. And there he is with this kind of a record player, one of those big, big black uh, vinyl records spinning around. And he's, he's uh, studying Spanish. And, wow. uh, you know, he, he, he sounds totally different. He's repeating the, um, you know, the gentleman on the record. He, you know, I hear Isabel. Alicia, you know, and I'm like, wow, that sounds so cool, Dad. That you, doesn't even sound like you. Uh, and he goes, come on, join me, son, and, and you can practice with me. So I, w- I liked it so much, and I liked the, the just it was like music uh, to my ears, and uh, so I enjoyed that. And and then when I got into high school, I said I want to take Spanish. So you know, that's what I did. I took Spanish, and uh, as I uh, told you, I then majored in college in Spanish. And ended up uh, going overseas uh, junior year abroad in Madrid with the uh, Marquette yeah. University uh, program. So that uh, that 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 got me going in that uh, direction of teaching. Mm. And it's interesting, and we'll, 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 we'll weave into this obviously that when you eventually, um, because you know you, you you studied hard, you, you got two master's degrees, including an MD, MBA, uh, you you got into banking, but. It wasn't for you. And then, funnily enough, when you uh, applied and approved uh, for the FBI position, it was the languages that, that really attracted you. But let's yeah. backtrack, attracted them, sorry. And let, but let's backtrack a little bit because this, this um, yes. curiosity of yours of, of, of learning languages um, took you various places, didn't it? Before, way before the FBI, you, you became um, a teacher. Uh, you taught in in uh, Madrid, I think I'm right, and Saudi Arabia, but you were still a young guy, right? Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, what happened is, and this is just a kind of a quirk of fate. Uh, after I uh, graduated from college, I started seeding all these schools around, uh, you know, my uh, my hometown, uh, looking for a teaching position, a Spanish teaching position, and I hadn't uh, heard anything as the school year began. I still hadn't heard it back from any schools. And like a few months into the school year, I got this phone call from uh, this uh, cleric, uh, this religious uh, fellow, a monk, actually, from LaSalle Military Academy. And he said, look, uh, it's a little late in the game here, but we want to offer you a job uh, as a teacher. Something has come up. And, uh, you know, just by a quirk of fate, uh, the fellow that I replaced, you know, had, uh, you know, gone astray. Of, let me put it this way. Uh, he got into some trouble, uh, okay. You know, okay. ethics or something like that. Sure. And and the next thing you know, I'm teaching Spanish at this, uh, you know, military academy where, you know, we had a few, uh, you know, it was a very uh, wealthy school. And so you had, uh, you know, some of the interesting students, uh, you know, there was some uh, mafia uh, kids, uh, you know, Gambinos running around and uh, Gallo and all these, all these types. Uh, but then you also had the, Samo- the Somoza uh, grandchildren from Nicaragua and, uh, you know, members of the Shah of Iran's family a- as well. So the school was quite an interesting mix. And, yeah. you know, I'm teaching Spanish to the American kids. And then, 
after one year, the, uh, te- the you know, the um, uh, principal asked me, would you teach English to, to our foreign kids? We need an ESL teacher. And I, you know, I'll give it a whirl. I thought I'll give it a whirl. And, and actually, you know, doing that enabled me, you know, to get that experience where I could actually put in for a future uh, position in Saudi Arabia, which is what yeah. I did. And, you know, eventually uh, yeah, they called me. I've got to say that, that I need to ask the question, Ken. You know, you, you, you just throw it out there as if it's nothing, but you're teaching members of the, of the royal family uh, of one part of the world, and then you've got the Gambino kids um, from the mafia <laughs> in, in the same ring. Was it, ever, was it ever tempting to think, you know, when you've got the Gambino kids, oh, I'm just marking their papers, I better make sure it's favorable, <laughs> or was it, was it like... <laughs> <laughs> or was it like um was it just um just a matter of fact that it was just it just happened to be coincidental that who they who they were connected to did it ever play on your mind is what i'm trying to say no you know not really and i think i i took uh i, I kind of followed the lead of these monks who were like uh, you know kind of in a way kind of prison wardens with these with these kids so right. they you know they, they didn't get out of line i saw that and i said okay i don't think i'm going to have have a problem with uh you know Gambino or or any of those kids or grandkids, <laughs> and and then you and I spoke offline, and, and this this story just it just fascinates me because there's just so many I don't know just lucky I don't I don't like the word lucky so co- coincidences circumstances that just kind of fell into you into your lap and you just sort of. As a young guy, I mean, I think right now in, in this storyline, you're about 24 years of age. And I think, you know, you, you you just sort of embrace it, Ken, with just such pureness. And it's like there's no there's no second thought. And because something really weird happened, didn't it? You were getting a placement. Um, and I, I, you'll have to fill the cracks in for me here. But you were getting a placement and you got offered some tickets to go out to was that out to saudi or something uh, from your one of your teaching jobs and they just said oh just just pick off your yeah. stopovers just just pick off wherever you want to stop over and you yeah. were like oh okay so kind of like yeah. london madrid rome yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but then in one of the was it was this was this the time was this the time in one of the airports when you met martin sheen <laughs> exactly exactly that yeah i mean it was just unbelievable and i uh you know, I kid Martin today. He, of course, he cannot remember because Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is Martin Sheen is still a good friend of yours right now, right? Yes, yes, that's right. I, I spoke to him uh, about two or three weeks ago about my book, and he called me. He said, "Oh my God, I love this book. Love the book. Love the book." And that last chapter. Oh my God, the last chapter. And he starts talking about the characters in the last chapter. And I'm thinking, okay, he must like this book. He's, <laughs> he's obviously read it if he's got to the last chapter. <laughs> And he said, um, boy, this last chapter, this is a movie, the last chapter. And I, I said, oh, you know, thanks so much. <laughs> you know, if you think so, that, that's great. But, yeah, I, uh, so our paths crossed. And this was, again, part of that whole uh, Saudi Arabia uh, teaching position. You know, that's when they called me. And, you know, I had sent uh, many applications to the Middle East and always uh, rejection, rejection, rejection. And then uh, out of nowhere, I got a call from uh, the Saudi Arabian consulate in Houston, Texas. And I'm thinking, well, what's out there? Well, then I thought later, oh, yes, oil, oil, you know, a lot of oil, Texas and Saudi Arabia and Aramco and the whole thing. So it made sense later. But uh, they said, hey, uh, you know, we, 
you know, we like your uh, your resume, your your CV. Uh, would you fly down here for for an interview? And I, I'm thinking, fly down there. Like, how do you do that? And and what do you mean? I'd have to pay for tickets, wouldn't I? And, and no, 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 Mister Strange. Uh, we, we, you know, your tickets are there waiting for you. you, you know, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. So you know, it, it, so I went down to the airport, and I was with my uh, my parents and. Um, Oh, that might have that might have been flying out, but uh, yes. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, I'm I'm with my mom and I'm walking in the um, in the terminal, and all of a sudden I see this entourage coming straight at us, and my mother's like, "Who is that?" And I'm and I, oh my god, that's Martin Sheen, and he's got like a fur coat on, and he's got all these uh, paparazzi's and you know hangers on, and and uh, and she goes, "Who's he?" And I said, "I just made Apocalypse Now." You know, he's famous. So as we kind of come together, she uh, just surprises the hell out of me and screams out, Martin Sheen. And like the whole group stops. He looks over at my mom and he goes, hi, hi. <laughs> like, oh, my God, mom, what did you just do? But uh, and it's funny that we would, you know, 30, 40 years later, we would come back and uh, meet Martin Sheen again. Wow, that's incredible. And, and you know, it's, it's this free spirit of yours, Ken, that, that just seemed to open endless doors, didn't it? Because um, where was it? Where did? Where's the point in 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 the in the in the crossover now? Because this this is a little hazy to me. But where's the point where you'd done additional studies? You went into banking, yeah, and yes. then and then yes. you just thought, you know what, this isn't for me. I mean, th th this is interesting when when listeners listen to this because what I'm getting a sense of here is that that Ken Strange started his journey. He, he taught languages, which, which you still have a passion for languages today. Then you segued, for whatever reason, into banking. But you were strong enough of character to say, well, I don't like this. It doesn't interest me. Um, and then you, coincidentally, I think it was almost, wasn't it, that you applied to the FBI. Can you, can you help us understand that part of it? Yeah, let me let me put the pieces together there. So um, we were talking about Saudi Arabia. And as you know, I spent uh, five years in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, two of those years were teaching uh, members of the royal family, grades, grades three through 12. So I had I had the five years there. I actually met my wife in Saudi Arabia. Now, she's not a Saudi woman, uh, but she's from the Philippines. And uh, she was a stewardess over in Saudi Arabia, so okay. kind of a kind of a love at first sight, and that's another story for another book. But uh, so I, you know, completed my time over there, and then uh, came back to the states. Uh, several people had recommended graduate schools, and I went to one in in, in uh, Arizona called the Thunderbird School of Global Management. And and while I was there at this school, and I'm taking Arabic courses and advanced Spanish uh, business courses because I love languages, right? And um, that's when this FBI agent came to our school and uh, gave a presentation about the FBI. And then he kind of colored me and he said, look, uh, I, I like you. You've got a, the kind of background that we're looking for. You know, someone that can speak languages. You've been overseas. Uh, you know the Middle East. We could use someone like you. And that's, that's when I started to think about it. Uh, and I put in an application uh, for the position, but you know those ap applications take a long time, and they're vetting you. Uh, and I've been to so many places; it took two years, about two years, 
Meantime, you know, I have to eat. You know, I have to get a job and uh, marry. So I, you know, I get this job in New York City, uh, working for a bank on Park Avenue and working with the Middle East correspondent accounts. But um, I'm not enjoying the experience really, except for the lunches. You know, those bankers' lunches, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but I just, it wasn't me. It, it, it just really wasn't me. And you know, and I'm thinking, wow. I, I now I hope I do get this FBI position. It, that that sounds like it. It could be me. So. That's how yeah. that happened. And the recruitment process in, in, in the FBI was interesting for you, wasn't it? Because, you know, again, probably misconceptions of what we see on TV and movies. We just think, wow, FBI is like working with, you know, bringing down Hannibal Lecter or whatever else f- characters might be, you know, uh, uh, sort of shown in movies. Um, <laughs> it really wasn't like that for you at the start, was it? No. Uh, in fact, those bankers' lunches uh, caught up with me, and I showed up to the FBI. I showed up to the academy uh, slightly overweight, uh, slightly. And, uh, you know, we had the initial physical uh, fitness exam, which is like a two-mile run, sit-ups, push-ups, pull-ups, the whole shebang. Uh, and I, I didn't do so well. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was actually – I had to take a remedial uh, course which, which was the best thing that ever happened to me, actually, because uh, they gave us, they gave me additional sessions to work out, to run, to lose weight, and I, I lost, uh, I think I lost ten or twelve pounds. Uh, wow. I, I actually, when I graduated Quantico, I was down, uh, you know, maybe two twenty or something, down to two oh seven, two oh seven and a half. Right. I just remember that. Uh, but uh, you know, and there were also two guys that uh, kind of made fun of me. Um, these two knuckleheads made fun of me because I, I didn't uh, do the run. I, I kind of failed the the uh, running portion or a part of the test. And these guys made fun of me, and I kind of took that and used that for motivation. Mm. Uh, and I, I in, in fact, at night I would sneak out at night and I would run the trails with under moonlight. Wow. You know, going through these trails through the lake area, just saying in my mind, I'm going to pass this test. I'm going to show those guys. You'll see, and it was a wonderful motivation for me, and it, it really, really worked. Yeah, you took you took the negative and turned it into a real positive for you personally. You took that criticism and span it on its head, and just said, "You know what? Screw you! I'm going to show you that I not only am I going to do this, I am going to qualify, and and, and you, there's going to be no stopping me." Because there was no stopping you, was there, Ken? Your 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 um, career kicked off with the FBI, right? Um, and you became a field officer to start with, and again. This this all sounds great when we mention those three three letters FBI Federal Bureau of Investigation. We all think, oh, Ken's out there now. He's 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 undercover. He's doing this like we see in the movies. But you you were a field officer. Talk us through talk us through what that that entails, Ken, because it is pretty pretty boring, right? Uh, before you before you then before you then uh, were cherry picked and uh, were put into some more assignments, but just. Walk us through those early days in the FBI. Being a field officer um, wasn't exactly what we we might perceive uh, it to be, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I just want you mentioned Hannibal Lecter, and uh, I, I should just mention that uh, during you know my tenure at Quantico, who who would show up but Jodie Foster, who's making the movie Silence of the Lambs, and she gets wow. tossed into our class. So now she's doing defensive tactics with us. She's in a legal class with us. 
And then she finally goes on the uh, famous, we had a yellow brick road run. It's about, I don't know, seven to 10 miles. You know, this was the big run. And she elected to go with us. Now, she didn't make the whole thing. I mean, she wasn't in shape to make the whole thing, but I think she did five miles. And, you know, we have to give her credit. Um, but, uh, yeah, she she was there. And, uh, you know, I asked her, hey, Jody, uh, come join us. And, you know, we're going to have some beers after you know, classes today and or in the evening. And she's like, no, that's okay. So I, I kind of just left her alone with, with thoughts of Hannibal Lecter. And <laughs> she was at my graduation, uh, believe it or not. She sat right behind my parents and, and my wife. Wow. Wow. Graduation. There you go. There you go. Good example there of an actor really absorbing themselves into uh, the character, right? Because she went to the, the to the training academy, and I do remember that film really, really well. It's actually one of my favourite films, Silence of the Lambs, and and it's where she, Jodie Foster, for those either too young or or, or just no interest in in that film, it is a fantastic film. Anthony Hopkins plays um, uh, Hannibal Lecter, and. Um, she she she's a rookie she's a she's an fbi rookie and she's assigned by the chief uh or the whatever his title might be to to take on this case and all the odds are stacked against her um all the odds are stacked. and just like you she was getting ridiculed by more senior uh personnel uh you know because of her naivety and and and, and hannibal loved it because he weaved her into his little web uh, um, but but anyway, that's a, that's a whole other story we could yeah. talk about that. But I love that that you actually met Jodie Foster whilst in your academy and learning to be a field officer. But yeah, so kicked off for you, Ken, as a field officer, right before because you know, as I alluded to in in in, in the title of uh, in the introduction here, you know, you have worked in some pretty serious stuff. I mean, you've worked in terrorist task force uh, named C-10. Uh, you've uh, worked with uh, the squad that arrested a Japanese bomber and, and mitigated a horrific event. Um, you've uh, um, uh, recruited intel agents. You've interviewed IRA terrorists in your career as well. But it wasn't always like that, was it? And I, I, I want to come back to those points as well. But at the start you know, some pretty mundane stuff that you were doing, right? Well, uh, you know, actually, you know, you have to start off uh, as a special agent and you're assisting, you're actually assisting uh, other agents and kind of learning what they're doing. And I, you know, I had, I had a few interesting, um, uh, you know, details and, uh, you know, I worked one case where there was a, um, uh, a municipal uh, inspector and he was, uh, he was corrupt and he was taking money for business permits. So that was not my squad, but they asked me to come along because the, uh, th this uh, public official was, was Spanish speaker. So right. while they're doing an undercover uh, buying of money, uh, they needed someone uh, for that. So, um, you know, I worked on that. I also listened, you know, I was on the wires listening to uh, Colombians uh, doing money laundering and, and, and so, you know, monitoring uh, these, uh, these telephone calls. So that was, that was a bit boring, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, then, you know, walking around, uh, the city with another special agent and we're looking for some Libyan, Libyan fella that's, uh, loose, loose in our area and, uh, you know, might present a problem as, as far as terrorism goes. So th those were kind of more mundane type things. And it really wasn't until I had my own, um, uh, case and this was, uh, you know, this was an IRA associate who 
was possibly involved in the murder of a British army captain wow. uh, during the Troubles. So, you know, I went out there and it was kind of uh, odd because I was alone. Uh, now, of course, I'm, I'm carrying uh, my, my weapon, right? But, uh, uh, you know, looking back on it, I was by myself and who knows who's on the other side of that door when I come knocking. But uh, yeah. in this case, you know, it went okay. And, uh, you know, I sat down with the fellow and chatted with him. And that's the first time I saw deception from people. Uh, you know, you could feel that the person was holding back. And that was really my first introduction to um, the squad, where I was on my own. Mm. Yeah, and it was it was your it was your knowledge of languages, wasn't it? That, if I'm right in saying that, that really took you in a different direction. Is is that right? Is that is that are we at the right piece of the story now, where um, your yeah. experience yeah. in the Middle East became prominent? But, you know, that's absolutely right, Ian, uh, and. You know, when I think about it, I, I actually wanted to uh, go over to the New York office out of Quantico, and I chose New York, but they gave me Newark, New Jersey, and I was like, "Oh my God!" You know, I don't, I don't know anything about Newark. I want New York. I'm from New York, and uh, you know, I even flirted with the idea of quitting. You know, of quitting. I wanted New York so much, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because had I gone to New York, I would have been in a field office with, you know, kind of lost in the crowd so many field agents, and they probably would have put me on the applicant squad where I would be interviewing people who, you know, for government jobs, that want government jobs. And that's pretty boring. Uh, instead, I show up in Newark, much smaller office, and someone says, whoa, wait, before we put you on the applicant squad, you're in the Middle East, you have a basic knowledge of Arabic? Uh, you know a little bit about terrorism? Oh, no, 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 no. We want you here on C-10. You belong on C-10 on this joint terrorism task force. And, you know, thank God that that worked out that way. And, you know, everything I had done previously in Saudi Arabia kind of led up to these to these moments. Uh, and, and so I was able to kind of almost seamlessly uh, get in there. And, you know, I may have mentioned to you C-10 was a high octane squad there was a swagger and a confidence that just kind of floored me and i knew with these men and women i had to have my a game because they were dealing with as you said japanese red army bomber black liberation army you had the al-qaeda the beginning the birth of al-qaeda happening right under our noses so with all these things going on boy you had to you know bring your best game your a game and, you know, I remember working at, at like from six to, to 10 at night every day, but it, you didn't care because, you know, it was just this kind of adrenaline, you, you know, mm. what's next? What's coming at us next? Ken, how do you, because when you use the terminology there, high octane, you know, for me, that's like, that's like high adrenaline, high energy, um, you know, as the word describes high octane right but is this right of me to say that as an agent you have to be cool and calm and not like a loose cannon i, I would agree with you on that uh, absolutely um you, you know you do have to be uh stable and and, and calm and, and make decisions you, know, you can't rush cannot rush to judgment and you know, in in that game, uh, first impressions sometimes are not what they what they seem. You know, there might be 
someone that's um, hiding behind something. So you, you can't rush in. You certainly can't rush into things. And, you know, a lot of the work I did was with confidential sources and informants. So I had to be very careful, um, and, you know, in, in, in my interactions with, with these people. So pull out some highlights for us then, Ken. You know, I mean, you mentioned the, the terrorist task force, um, the squad that took down the Japanese bomber, the, the uh, Black Liberation Army. I mean, the, these, are, these are seriously high, high profile and so important uh, tasks that, that, were, that were carried out by, you know, you and your um, colleagues. Can you give us, are you able to share anything that you might say you know, put you in a position where you thought, wow, this is, this is kind of why I'm here, but this is really scary. Uh, you know, not, not, not so much scary, but there was one uh, situation and I, in the book, I, uh, I call it the intersection of luck and destiny. And, um, you know, we're, we're headed towards the Gulf War back in 1991, 92, uh, 91, I think, or whenever, yeah, whenever it was. And uh, I just remember late one Friday, I got a uh, like a communication from headquarters saying that there were some um, persons of interest in our area. And uh, and I'm, I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, it's late. I could I could easily just jump in the car and go home. It's Friday. But I said, you know what? I got a feeling about this one. I just had this feeling. So. I drove over to this uh, to the place, uh, met met these people, and they were from the Middle East. And uh, it was, you know, again, everything that had happened to me in Saudi Arabia and the living experience, the Arabic, the customs, and everything. Uh, you know, when I met them, um, you know, I spoke to them in Arabic. Uh, they said, "Come in." I took off my shoes. Uh, when I shook their hands, uh, you know, my hand uh, went from from my hand to their hand and then from my hand to my heart, which is, you know, you know, I'm genuine. This is a genuine meeting we're having. And I could see that they were studying me and, and, and they kind of liked what they saw. So at least one of them, the other one was a little bit skittish, a little bit standoffish. <clears throat> and so I explained, I said, uh, you know, I understand this is who you are and um, you know, this would be a great opportunity for you guys to, help our country and we could really use your help you know um and and again i could see one of them like mm, i'm not so sure any but the other one was you know what you're right i think it, and you know we're taking tea and we're talking and i said look uh i don't expect an answer right now but because the war is looming i would like an answer yay or nay on monday just just give me a call monday and see if we can do some things together and uh, on monday you know, they, they called me and they said, we're, we're all in. We're all in with you. And um, it was kind of amazing because, you know, just just this kind of uh, cultivating these these uh, people and being kind of, you know, I was genuine with them and I spoke their language and their customs and all of that stuff. But it just put me in a position where I could, you know, do my job, help my country. They could help our country. And uh, the, the after effects, and I can't get into it, uh, were just were just amazing and really blows me away to this day. It's funny, isn't it, Ken? Because I, I said this to you when we met before. Your life, the, the the past experiences and those 
that exposure to different cultures, different nuances within those cultures, not just the language. You, 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 you know, I'm not going to say anyone can learn a language because that's, that's a bit of a bold statement, but it is possible to learn a language, uh, whether it be Spanish, German, Arabic, Dutch, whatever it might be. But to actually live in that country and see the nuances like you knew when you shook the hand to then touch your heart, which is which is uh, important to a lot of those parts of the world, uh, Iran, uh, um, Saudi, etc. They, they gen- generally touch touch their heart afterwards. Um, and isn't it funny yeah. that you know <laughs> you should find yourself where you found yourself later in life? Do you ever do you ever look back on that and think? This was all sort of supposed to be. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, it's a funny thing. And I'll, I'll just mention one other thing that happened. Um, when, I, when I left Saudi Arabia uh, with the teaching job, I, I first uh, visited Egypt, and I had an interest in, in terrorism. And so when I got to Cairo, I asked the taxi driver to take me to the grandstand, the grandstand, like outside Cairo, where Anwar Sadat was assassinated by jihadists. And so he took me there and it was eerie. No one was there. It was empty, but the bullet holes were still there. And I remember poking my finger into some of the bullet holes and saying, my God, my God, Sadat and a whole bunch of uh, officials were murdered right here by, by jihadists. Now, fast forward, the, the man that had blessed the murder of Sadat and had, you know, was now in the United States in my neighborhood. He had come over. This was the blind shape, Abdurrahman, Omar Abdurrahman. So now, you know, I'm going from just a civilian poking, you know, holes that he had started, put into uh, play. And now he's, now he's, now he's rabble rousing in, in, in our backyard, uh, going between New York City and New Jersey, uh, death to America, death to Israel. And now, fast forward, I find myself on a street corner face-to-face with him, speaking to him in Arabic, and we're in an argument in Arabic. Wow. Saying, you know, I'm saying, hey, these are deportation papers, and he's saying, I don't recognize your country. I don't recognize your your, your papers, you know, and your Arabic sucks, he's, he tells me in Arabic. <laughs> uh, so it was just amazing. And he called, well, he called it tar, zift, which means crap. You know, it, it, that's the meaning. But... Um, but just the fact that I had gone from, you know, just a civilian, uh, and then now I'm standing and going toe to toe with this guy who, you know, would eventually go to prison. And, you know, uh, you know, he's the one that blessed the murders and, uh, he he was going to bomb, you know, New York uh, iconic places. And then he was arrested. So, uh, that was, you know, I, I, the irony in there was just, it was, it was palpable. I could see it, Mm. feel it. Yeah. It's, it's, it is unbelievable isn't it really when 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 when, you know as i listen to this and i just think it's like just mind-blowing that that there you are in in front of one of a very very evil man you know and 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 there you are toe-to-toe looking him in the eye and he's telling you that your arabic is crap (laughs) um so can where 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 does this take you then because you had a you had a a, a a very interesting and long career with the FBI, right? Um, but but how did that all 
how did that all come to a conclusion? Uh, and then obviously you went on to write books. You're a, you're a, um, a, a award-winning true crime author. Um, your journey now is very different. What was the transition like for you coming out of the FBI into, do we call it Civvy Street? I know in the, in the UK when, when uh, people leave the military or forces, they call it going back into Civvy Street. I don't know what the American terminology is. Maybe mm. you can help me with that. But how, how was that transition? Or, or is there more to tell about the time in the FBI? Well, you know, my uh, career was 21 years with the federal government. And it was not only the FBI. I actually left the FBI and went to work overseas with the U.S. Agency for International Development. Uh, you know, I worked in, in the United States, and then I lived overseas in um, San Jose, Costa Rica, and El Salvador. So, you know, I spent a few years there, and then I, I moved on to um, the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General, and I was put on the southwest border. Uh, there and o over there, it was like an internal affairs uh, group, and uh, you know our the game. This was a cat and mouse game that the cartels were playing, uh, trying to corrupt our gatekeepers on the border. So that's wow. the you know I was in the corruption, uh, you know fer ferreting out corruption. So after 21 years, and I finally uh, you know I got my own office in Los Angeles. Uh, after 21 years, you know I retired and. Um, uh, I had a had a nice offer from Siemens uh, in, in 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 Germany, the Siemens company, and they put me in Mexico City to kind of uh, open up their uh, investigations compliance office in uh, South America, Central, you know, Latin America, essentially. So I went to work for Siemens, and and that was an extraordinary experience with a lot of travel. So. There, there wasn't the the immediate transition out of the FBI into into where you are now, um, but but what what how did how did the how did the writing come about? Yeah, so uh, you know I've been I've been writing uh, Ian uh, since um, you know I've been ten or eleven years old. I, I loved writing. I actually started out writing science fiction stories, kind of um, inspired by. Ray Bradbury and, you know, among others, you know, I'd be, I'd write articles uh, for our newspaper, town newspaper and the college and all the way through. And of course, in the federal government, you're writing, 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 although those are kind of banal type reports, not, not interesting. Um, but, you know, it was only when, uh, you know, after this, uh, I had a bunch of corporate jobs after retire, retiring from the federal government. And I, I thought, I want to get off this corporate treadmill. You know, it's it's a lot of money, but it's it's just um, it's not satisfying. And I'm, I really want to write. Uh, you know, I've always wanted to write. And and so that's when my wife and I went on this pilgrimage to Spain. And of course, that led to the first book, the award winning book. It's your Camino. You know, our cup one couple's 500 mile pilgrimage across Spain. So that launched that kind of launched me. And there were it was a, there were a few awards and that encouraged me to continue writing. Right. So forgive me, because in my intro, I said that was your second book. That was your first book. And then that so was it was your second book, The Cop's Son, One Man's Fight yes. Against uh, Jihad yes. Fraud and the Cartels. Yes, that's, okay. that's exactly. And where and where. Um, yeah. And that's that. I mean, that's a hell of a title, isn't it? A Cop's Son, One Man's Fight Against Jihad Fraud and the Cartels. I mean, if that doesn't encourage you to pick it up and read it, I don't know what will. But um 
Where, so where, where are you at now, Ken? Uh, there's, there's two books in. Is there another book in, Ken? Yeah, yes. Uh, I'm, in fact, I'm about halfway through a third book. Uh, this is a coming-of-age uh, memoir, which includes uh, everything we talked about in uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's also kind of a love story, Meeting My Wife, which is another kind of quirky series of events that uh, put us together, uh, where we probably shouldn't have been together, but just, you know, a random flight, and, you know, there I was. So that's in the making. I'm about halfway done, but uh, A Cop's Son is uh, taking a lot of my time, um, you know, promoting it, marketing it, things like that. Sure, and I and I know you are. I know you are very, very busy on 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 the promotion side of things, and 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 just uh, sort of doing a lot of media and everything else. And I'm delighted and, and honoured and privileged to have you on. So watch your story. Your story is. We could talk for hours, Ken. I know we could because there's so many intricacies and twists and webs, and, and it's just. But but the overarch for me is it, there's just this. This coolness about you, dare I say that, that, that like throughout your life, you've just embraced so many situations with just a, well, you know, let's just go with it. Easy flow, right? Yeah. What, what's, what's, what's your, what's your, what's your, um, let me phrase this correctly. How do you find your guidance, Ken? Do, do you literally just go with the flow or do you process through spirituality do you do you what what, what happens to, to to enable you to make these very very what some would say are like life-changing decisions but you just seem to just well ah, you know we'll just, we'll just roll with this kind of thing or have i got that all wrong is that just your cool impression that i'm picking up on yeah, I, 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 no, no i'm not i don't i don't think i'm that complicated uh, but you know i would say that uh, certainly you know, I'm curious about the world that I live in, and um, I'm not afraid. Okay. I'm not afraid to to get into that world. And uh, you know, I'm a people person. I love being around people and getting to know them and understanding them. And and so uh, that has kind of led me through through some doors. But you know, my parents have also been a great inspiration. You know, my father with his profession, and then my mother was was she was into languages a lot. She studied French, and she's she said, you're going to take Latin. And I took Latin. So, you know, it's a little bit of that. And then the rest is, is kind of me. And I guess there's kind of a gypsy in me as well. Yeah, that's a good word. I didn't want to throw that in there, but there, there is, there is a gypsy element, isn't there? There really is. Um, can, can t tell, tell our listeners, uh, how they can, um, find the books. First of all, uh, where's the best place for people to look, um, how we can find Ken Strange, or I know on LinkedIn you 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 use your full uh, Christian name, which is Kenneth, um, but we have agreed that it's okay for me to call you Ken. Um, how can what's the best place for people to to find you and your work? Thank, thank you, thank you very much, Ian. Yes, I'm on the social media. I'm on LinkedIn, as you said. Uh, you know, I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm on Facebook, uh, for sure. And then I have a website. I have an author's website which is www.kennethstrange.com, www.kennethstrange, okay. one word, uh, .com. The book, the book uh, is on Amazon okay. and, and Barnes and & Noble. It's an uh, e-book and a hardcover, and I believe the softcover uh, book is coming out this week. 
that's amazing. And Ken's links to all of his social, I'll put on uh, as as this episode is published out, as I always do with all of my guests, I'll put all the links to everything there so you can find him, look him up. You know, Ken's been uh, very um, cordial today. Uh, the, the, the the story is is incredible. It really is. But we 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 obviously, you know, we don't have hours and hours and hours, which is which is really what Ken deserves. I've got to say because it is, it's a fascinating story, Ken. It's a fascinating story, and I need to meet you one day. I, I just I, I I just need to meet you, right, and uh, and hang out with you, and uh, and uh, maybe have Martin Sheen in this in the room at the same time. <laughs> Come to Malibu, we can make this happen, and I'd love to see you on your home turf. Believe me. Yeah, you should. You should come over here. Get get yourself over to to the UK, and um, we'll we'll give you a little bit of a tour, and um, we'll take you to a soccer game, and we'll give you oh, some nice. fish and chips, and nice. some pie, pie and mash, and a pint of and a pint of beer. Yeah, and you know, so for those for those not 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 watching any of this on all, on on video content, um, Ken was just punching the air there as if to say, yes, yeah, man, I want some of that. So, um, Ken, it's been my my absolute pleasure. I really mean that. I mean, it's like uh, it's just an honor to be be with such a an amazing person and um, listening to the highlights of your life story. Um, I encourage everybody to go out and buy both books because they're different, but um, really, really interesting reads. Um, you have thank met Ken Strange on your, So Watch Your Story. Ken, thank you so much. I appreciate my time with you today. Thank you for having me, in. It's been a real pleasure. All the best. And can we? shall we leave by saying cheers? Uh, cheers, mate. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. I think you'll agree that was quite a story. Join me again for next week's episode of Ian Beaton's So what's your story? If you enjoyed this episode, it meant something to you, or maybe you think a friend or a loved one might like to listen to it too, go ahead and share it with them. Remember, if you have a story you'd like to share, or perhaps you know someone who does, I invite you to join me on my podcast. I can be contacted by email, web, or social. Thank you. You've just listened to So Watch Your Story.